So if you folks don't mind, we can start our meeting of uh, May 17th for the Pedestrian Bicycle Advisory Committee. So good evening, members of the, the Pedestrian Bicycle Advisory Committee. This meeting of May 17th, 2021, come on, let's get David Carisi in here, uh, is being held pursuant to Section 3 of Executive Order N2920 issued by Governor Newsom on March 17th, 2020. And all members are joining this meeting telephonically through Zoom. So, um, Aaron, do you want to welcome everybody or uh, can I just call the um, Yeah, uh, welcome everybody. How's that? Thank you. <laughs> all right. Um, why don't I call the roll? Aaron Roller? Here. Great. David Sito? Here. Great. Uh, Regan Fulton? Here. Kieran Culligan? Here. Jessica Penrod? Here. Wonderful. And Warren Wells, you're here. Thanks for joining us too, doing two meetings at once. And we have a, a uh, local liaison who I think is new. Is it new to this meeting or did you folks have it last time? She was here last time, so my bad. So Sandra Caballero, I don't think she's joining us this evening, but um, we do want to recognize her for being our local. Yeah, she, uh, she had just emailed and, uh, and said that she wouldn't be able to join. Sounds good. So all members are present and therefore we have a quorum. So I think that we can go ahead and move forward at this point. So I finished item one, which is uh, uh, called to order. And now we're on public comment on items not on the agenda. Okay, is that all right, Chairman? Yes, please. Anyone uh, raise your hand if you have any, uh, any Here, I've got, I've got a little spiel mm. that I'm supposed to read each time. So okay. the public may comment on items not on the agenda during the public comment period. Video or audio public comment participation is limited to three minutes per speaker. If you would like to make a comment, please raise your hand in the Zoom application and you will be called upon when it is your time to speak. To raise your hand from a phone, press star nine. Each speaker will be notified when they have approximately one minute left to speak. All calls will be muted after that time has expired. Please state your name for the record before beginning your comments. Are there any members of the public who would like to make a comment? So Mr. Chairman, I don't have any, unless Warren wants to raise his hand. No, okay. That was it. Just sorry, that was waving at someone else in the room. Waving at those. <laughs> sorry. Else got it. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't see any hands raised at this point in time. So, Mr. Chairman, we don't have any public comment at this point. So, the next item is approval of minutes. And, David, did you have those on your agenda? And I think I'll leave that up to uh, the chairman at this point. Aaron did them this week, so uh, I'll move that we approve the minutes. Second. All right, I think we have a motion and a second. Why don't I just read the roll call? So Aaron Roller? Yes. Thank you. David Suto? Yes. Regan Fulton? Yes. Kieran Culligan? Yes. And Jessica Penrod. Yes. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, item four on your agenda is uh, 
feedback member updates. So I'm not too sure who's gonna lead that particular item, but I'll leave it off to you folks. Yeah, uh, so there was a resignation. Unfortunately, Marjorie Thomas uh, has resigned. Um, no longer able to to uh, be part of the committee. So um, that uh, automatically, or not, uh, I think uh, formally has been, uh, Jessica Penrod has been um, upgraded to a full members. Welcome, Jessica. Yay, everybody. Cool. Um, so I think that's it for for the uh, for that item number four. Oh, Sorry, uh, Aaron. Are we going to be looking for an alternate? I did see that that was vacant. Okay. Yep. That's yeah. Uh, that's how it works. And and by all means, uh, do some recruiting. If uh, if you have anybody in mind, um, let's uh, let's get the word out because we do have that alternate. It's always really good just to uh, to have uh, more participants. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Just you know, let's keep looking for folks who might have an interest in this particular committee so that they can participate as well. All right. Um, I'm not too sure, but I, do, we need, do we need an action on this? I don't think so. So I think we're good to move on to the next item. No, I think, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's all done already in City Council. Okay. Item five this evening, this evening are discussion items. And 5A on the list is the Bridgeway at Napa intersection street intersection, uh, resident safety concerns. So I'm not too sure who's gonna lead that one as well. Uh, I'll kick it off with just a, uh, just a quick, uh, well mentioned. So it was, uh, it was brought up uh, uh, by Regan and, and Kieran at the last meeting that uh, something we should discuss because there was uh, a lot of activity on a specific um, item posted in uh, next door and a lot of activity around it and and um if uh if y'all haven't gone out to uh read it yet it, there's a lot of really good feedback but essentially the uh concerns with the speeds um at uh the napa intersection on bridgeway so bridgeway at napa and um and i think it would just be great if uh if we just had a uh there was a couple of um public comments made that were attached on the on the agenda today and I think everybody uh, has uh, read that but should also read that um, if you're interested in, in the uh, formal um, public comments that uh, coincide with uh, some of the some of the stuff said on the on the thread so um, but yeah I just I think it's a good time for us to uh, to open it up and and see uh, Regan maybe you'd like to start yeah, sure. I don't consider myself an expert of this particular intersection, except that I've got some uh, history with the bridgeway portion at Napa uh, and the flashing beacon uh, incident with the girl on the bicycle. Um, but the, the particular issue that was raised actually has to do with southbound vehicle traffic, particularly cars, but I suppose bicycles as well coming too quickly onto Napa and then turning onto Caledonia. And there was a very thoughtful letter from one of the residents who made some suggestions about um, how that could be addressed. And I think it'd be worth our 
considering those among any other thoughts after we kind of share our feelings about whether this indeed represents a problem I would agree that it that it does I I come around the corner on my bicycle quite frequently that is the curved um, off-ramp of Bridgeway onto Caledonia and am surprised often by the lack of uh, good sight lines and will find people in the crosswalk and have to adjust accordingly but um, it does create a dangerous situation I think yeah so there were again some very thoughtful suggestions speed bumps um, stop signs uh, lower speed limit coming into that um, and I'm not sure whether traffic light was mentioned but um, I do think that is something that we ought to keep on our minds um, for that that whole intersection the bridgeway in Napa and and another of course has been the roundabout idea that uh, Aaron you've brought up in the past so um, I'll, I'll, I'll just turn it over to the rest of the committee at this point yeah anybody else uh, I know David and Kieran you both were out there looking yeah, I, I don't you know, have too many additional thoughts to add, but you know, this was we called out three top priorities in our CIP, uh, and this was one of them. And I think it just reinforces the importance of looking at safety upgrades here. Uh, I think either the thread or the letters described it as basically a freeway off-ramp onto Caledonia. And that's really what it is. You carry a lot of speed through there. I know as a pedestrian, I generally avoid that intersection. Um, and I, you know, I did some reflecting on why I do, and it's just because I don't feel particularly safe. I'd rather actually go down a few blocks south, even though it doesn't have rapid flashing beacons, but there's just a longer sight line and I can feel safer crossing. Uh, and so it definitely feels like something important for us to address. Um, we know that the CIP process places safety really highly in terms of prioritization. So I'm sure we'll also maybe we'll touch on it in the CIP section because I, I did see it in the city council material from, from last week. Yeah, the, um, I'll second the, um, the freeway off ramp, you know, uh, suggested, uh, when I saw that, that same comment and I, I did always thought of that same thing with, uh, with that approach. It's just like, of course, people are going to come speeding onto Caledonia. I mean, look at that thing. It's, uh, it's sending you in, uh, just to make sure that you, you've got the right, the right curve to not have to even slow down. So it, uh, I think that's something to, to, uh, seriously look at is that, um, is that, is that, is that necessary? David, I'm sorry, Jessica. I, just a, a comment. I think something that's also important to, I agree that this should actually be looked at as a complete issue um, in what I'm going to report on next. There's two incidents that are within that Napa area as well. So kind of just this whole thing as a collective needs to be addressed, I think. Um, so looking big picture wise. Yeah. And one comment that did, I think, for shorter term, I guess near term, being able to actually make a difference is the parking the police vehicle there. Um, I think people do respond to that. So just something that could be potentially considered 
if uh, working with the police department, that was an option. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've never, I've uh, never seen the, uh, uh, a police vehicle, you know, tr the trailer, the, the even the, the the trailer that that, that gives the, the speeds or anything like that, any of those temporaries. I have never seen any of that in Sausalito before. So that'd be interesting to, to bring up to see if it's something that our police department would be um, willing to, to try maybe even as a direct response to uh, some of the requests. Because I do think there was a sentiment um, out there that was very much like, well, we need enforcement, we need enforcement and that um, this would be one maybe kind of quick way that that we could just rent one of those trailers or something like that to post there to be like hey everybody remember guys put it out please yeah i i definitely think that this intersection needs a complete streets kind of look kind of like what was done for richardson and, and second street um yeah and i think he may have looked at it before maybe he can comment but you know with looking at putting a refuge in and things like that i i personally like the idea of a traffic circle because it'll slow traffic coming into the it coming from both directions too and, and there might be enough room um you know my my thought is that it looks like a, a off-ramp because it probably was designed as an off-ramp to mid-1930s uh standards um because that that road, you know, was the highway before the highway 101 was built. Mm -hmm. um, so it, you'll notice we have other very wide roads in town that were designed to link to 101 and then didn't link. So we have some very odd roads in town uh, and that's one of them. And, you know, I used to live in that neighborhood for about um, 12 or 15 years and I would always avoid that cross. It's just the traffic is feels unsafe and it's a long crosswalk and you know unfortunately or fortunately we've fixed up comfy park and more people more families live in the neighborhood now and so there's more traffic there and and i think we need to figure something out before we have uh, a more significant accident there thank you david um i see warren has his hand up yeah, so this is an area that I've spent more time riding through than walking. So, you know, forgive any any lack of experience here. But so I guess there are a couple issues, right? There's the issue um, of the crosswalk across Bridgeway. And then what you were saying was people are talking about, you know, the drivers are coming in onto Caledonia as if the freeway. And so that seems to be a, a product of that slip lane, right? That, that second southbound lane that kind of routes directly onto Caledonia. Is, has there been any, concern, any like consideration to just you know merging that second lane into Bridgeway earlier and having people make like the perpendicular right onto I guess westbound Napa to get to Caledonia rather than sort of zipping through or or at the very least you know providing um, uh, a stop sign in that Caledonia slip lane before you get to sort of Caledonia Street proper. Yeah, because that would be no different than the other right turns that come on the subsequent streets, right? The B Street, and the Turney Street, and all those. Those are all right turns with not, um, there, there are no approach lanes besides just the bike lane that, that they'd be using. And so it'd be a very similar uh, situation. But uh, but yeah, you know, I think 
I think right now, my, my first instinct is, oh, no way, man, because we're all coming into it so fast at that point, <laughs> which exactly is perhaps the problem. Uh, Kevin, did you uh, have? Yeah, I've got a couple comments on this subject. Uh, last week, I presented the capital improvement program to the city council as a draft. And I'll go over that in a little bit, but this specific project was on the priority list. Um, and the, the initial phase is a study, try to find out what needs to be done in a specific area. In addition, we wanna take a look at not just the specific intersection of Napa and Bridgeway, but like you had suggested, the, the area coming into it, heading southbound, that one particular lane that, that uh, is a free right turn onto Napa Street in my eyes tends to be a problem and I think you folks are bringing that up but it's also an issue associated with parking <laughs> um, and I think the city tried to deal with some of the parking issues there in the past so that's what our police chief has said so we'll have to study that a little bit more in addition the whole reach going all the way down Bridgeway to Johnson Street from Napa is important David has mentioned this excuse me David Parisi has mentioned this in the past so we'd like to study that as well. Um, I've, uh, last week I was out of town. We went up to Oregon and then we also went to uh, Humboldt to watch my daughter graduate from college. But in, in Oregon, they have quite a, through, quite a few roundabouts and I think they work really well. So it depends upon whether we have enough space and whether there is a need for a roundabout in this area. So, David, I know I don't know if you want to comment on it, but you're welcome to, Mr. Parisi. But uh, I think we need to study this area a little bit to figure out what can work and what can work from a safety perspective. Yeah, Kevin, all I would have to say, number one, good evening, everybody. Nice to see you all. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if a roundabout will fit. You know, we can take a look at that. There's been some thoughts over the years about a potential refuge island because there's room uh, there by where, this, where the uh, crosswalk is. And as Kevin mentioned, uh, a couple years ago, the county did a, a big countywide travel safety plan. And high on the list was this um, corridor of Bridgeway between Napa and Johnson. Uh, and it could score a lot of points for grants uh, because of the, uh, unfortunately, because of the accident rate uh, that's out there. Um, but some of the, um, potential countermeasures would be, you know, would it definitely affect parking because there's not a bike lane uh, in one direction, right? But for the intersection itself, I think, you know, there's there's several things that could be considered from a traffic and safety operation standpoint. So Kevin, you say there's a, that's, that's high on your list in the CIP plan, it sounds like. Okay. Yeah, you bet. Well, that's great. And that was, uh, yeah, it's two and number two and number three. Um, as well, you know, for PBACs, uh, yeah, CIP recommendations with Kieran's uh, leadership. So that that's really awesome. I will, if I can share my screen, um, of course, I, I did a little doodle here. And, um, and here, let's do, sorry. I think it's just this one right here, this tab. You guys can see that. Um, that's that's the intersection I was I was trying to figure out um, if a roundabout would work this this is actually 
the the center of this roundabout is actually the the roundabout from um, uh, Tiburon. There's a there's a roundabout at the end of uh, right in downtown Tiburon. So I stole theirs and made it fit and, and scaled it, and uh, it was just using kind of real circles to be like, what would it take to fit? Um, what I did too over down here is I just erase that that freeway off ramp with some bushes just to be like what would that look like and it's like a nice little forest because there's actually a lot of space there and i think that that but what, one of the things that also uh i was noticing it, it's it's on it's shifted uh the the roads it, it shifts over to the left you know and that was what was weird when i was trying to figure out what to do with this roundabout uh it, it was you know had to kind of uh, place it in a way where it was like okay uh rearrange everything and actually i've noticed that because when my tesla is uh, driving down uh bridgeway it, it used to have an issue with that that shift over because of the bike lane it would just start to actually want to drive down the bike lane so there's i think there's kind of some uh some funky things going on but um but i just wanted to mention that uh also this is uh the size of what would be called a uh it'd be the top end of a mini urban roundabout or an urban roundabout or a uh or the low end of a single lane roundabout um as far as size goes and it it it, it fits you know you have to eat, chew into a little bit of the sidewalks but the idea is that there would even be room for potentially i uh, you know maybe some bike bike lanes going through it or whatever so that was just something that i threw together because i know that we had we had talked about it so i was curious to see could uh you know given given the specs would i be able to um, find a way to, to fit that in there. I don't know. I, I was uh, I was encouraged. I was discouraged at first, but then I was able to find a way. So uh, hopefully, that will um, you know give give you all some some encouragement, which you already have anyway, to uh, to continue looking into that. Um, and then uh, and then I also was messing with street mix today, and it's interesting when you when you actually go all the way from sidewalk to sidewalk. There's really a lot of space there. Um, where you could actually get uh, parking, buffered bike lanes, even a even a buffered median in a way, as long as, you know if you really just you know take over the whole road. But obviously that's an enormous uh, you know uh, very expensive project. But that was also encouraging when um, when just kind of messing with that too. So, um, but I'll leave it up to the professionals <laughs> to uh, to take us um, to the next steps. Um, Kevin, uh, Kevin Carroll has his hand up. If, if, uh, if you guys are open to taking public comment now and Vicki Nichols has her hand up. Mr. Chairman, are we addressing uh, item five a and five B together? Um, that might be, uh, a, uh, Jessica, what we, what's your thoughts on that? Do just, I think if we're going the roundabout discussion, um, we're, yeah, no, it's not so much the roundabout discussion. It's actually just more about the the concerns of of from what people have brought up. Maybe and let's that, let them both comment, and then um, we can go through the presentation afterwards. But I, I think if anybody has comments about uh, Napa as how it integrates to this, then that's fine as well. Yeah, yeah, I think they're separate too because. Just, although Jessica is doing a little bit of a deep dive on Napa, um, it's actually also just, hey, how, how do these statistics help us understand our, our city better? So I think they'd be good to have as, as separate topics, and uh, and I'm open to that if uh, if we'd be ready to take public comment. 
Is that okay with you, Kevin? You betcha. All right. So uh, I see Kevin Carroll's hand. Thank you. Um, this is probably one of the scariest intersections. I really wouldn't want to choose between this and Alexander Second. They're both my worst nightmares because you've got the bicyclists on the right, far right, sometimes, sometimes middle of the lane and people merging and the rest of it and totally leave it up to the pros to figure that one out. But the one thing I would suggest, <clears throat> I've noticed over the years, occasionally the police department will put a cruiser in, I think it's either the 11 or 1200 block of um, Bridgeway facing northbound. I don't know if they're having breakfast at the lighthouse or coffee someplace else, but it very effectively slows traffic. People will be doing 35, blowing through Napa Street, go two blocks, see that cop car, and immediately start slowing down and paying attention. Um, and that's weekdays with locals who are worried about where they're going and tourists who are looking everywhere. So I think if there's a place to position of either a police car or the uh, volunteer and police services vehicle, which I noticed doesn't get used very much. It usually is Oops. sitting in the parking lot at the end of Johnson Street. If that could be positioned either in Dumphy Park or you know somewhere, those last parking spaces, I think that would get an immediate improvement in the situation until, as we all know, a long-term solution is gonna take a long time. Get yeah. Set up. Thank you. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's great. Thank you, Kevin. That is always good. Good advice, and nice to know that that you've seen it in the past. Um, the police vehicle. Um, Vicky Nichols, you're next up here. Oh, sorry. Hi, Chair Roller. Thanks. Thanks for the opportunity. Um, I I appreciate you guys talking about uh, enlisting some police help. I've been on Caledonia for 40 years, and this is a weird inter intersection. It's a result of Bridgeway being aligned for the, for the, from Water Street to go towards the bridge, as, as uh, uh, David yes. mentioned. And, you know, Caledonia's always been there, so it's, it's a weird little joggy over curve thing. But I think what's really been the problem lately is speed, and we don't have enforcement. So if you guys, I had actually made steps to do this with the police department to have a workshop of the general laws. For instance, one thing that's really happening on Caledonia is people are making these U-turns in the middle of the streets. Mm -hmm. You have no idea and this car is coming at you. So I think it's a lack of knowledge. And I think if we did a non-punitive, just little refresher, and then if the police said, we're going to start we're going to educate you and we're going to enforce this as well as it, there there's no problem with the speed limit in caledonia but i bet you no one knows what it is so if it's adhered to um i think as kevin says i think we we may have you have a long-term problem here but i think there's some things we can do more immediately to calm this and i don't think anybody wants to deliberately be speeding but it does get dangerous once you get down farther with cars and and i was almost hit by a bike recently i couldn't believe it so it's just not knowing i believe uh, and not paying attention so if you guys would want to spearhead something with the police department if not um 
I'm going to try to set up a workshop where we, they just uh, do a, you know, really gentle, not heavy handed, but a reminder of what the laws are. So we all know. Mm -hmm. And then they say we're going to start enforcing them. So there's some things that can be done um, that will help you guys, too. So yeah. thanks for the opportunity. Thank you, Vicki. Really appreciate it. And that, I think that's actually just the action item that, that comes to mind for me is <clears throat> from from the the um comments out on uh on next door and and vicky and kevin's suggestion everybody's really it's just kevin can we you know what can, can we just go and make a uh, a request to the, the police department is there a, should we make a motion is there something we can be doing to actually kind of make it more official to say hey we would really like to try this um extra enforcement or or some sort of uh parking a vehicle there or, or whatever I've got two things written down. The first one is to find out if one of our neighboring communities has a radar, radar feedback trailer and mm -hmm. see so if you can use that. San Rafael has two, and I'm sure I could borrow them from them for a couple days. Uh, I don't think that's a big deal. It'd be nice to put one of those down here so that we do have some radar feedback signs in place. And um, just because of the conversation, I think it's appropriate for me to go ahead and reach out to the chief specifically to find out uh, his schedule on doing some uh, enforcement in this area and so that we can improve upon this. Uh, also, it's always important to reach out to you folks in the community to find out what are the worst times you are seeing during the day for speeding. Early in the morning, is it late at night, or is it any time during the day. That will help the PD to kind of determine when to put a, a car down there. I see Jessica's hand. I was just curious, Kevin, do the um, radars also track the speed? Like, do they record speed so that we could actually determine when there is the most speeding? Or is that it purely is just a feedback in the moment? It, it's my understanding it's just a feedback sign. It doesn't track data or anything else. Thank you. Vicki, I see your hand up again. You, you want to say some more? Yeah, I don't know if it's appropriate if you close this, but I believe we did, uh, Kevin, I believe we did have a trailer once upon a time. Uh, it may have been on Bridgeway, though. And um, I would just suggest that the times are... Uh, you know, it's weird. It's sort of like in the morning on the way to work, um, maybe mid mid afternoon, and um, in the evening, trying to get that last space to go to drivers. <laughs> you know, I mean, just just things that we want to access um, naturally. So, you know, I don't know any specific times, but I um, I'm happy to help do anything that you guys can do with this. I would really love to to um, help. Because right. I think if we, we start with the education and then, you know, it's always it's always better to do that before you hit someone with something and, you know, tickets and stuff. Because I think people will, it's the behavior that's the problem at this point with the speed. If we can change that, maybe we can stave off your more advanced plans to, you know, allow more time for planning and getting some money to do it. Yeah. So happy to, help, happy to help if you need something. Thank you. Sure. Karen? Yeah. Uh, first off, great public comments. That's um, really helpful to have those additional voices. 
I do. I have a motion. Um, I don't think it's necessarily required, but I've got one um, that I can throw out there. Basically, I think we should designate. I'll, I'll read the formal one, but in general, my proposal will be around just have the city designate Napa and Bridgeway intersection as an enforcement hotspot. Let's call it for the next six months, focusing on speed. Um, so I think we could put that into the form of a motion um, that at least memorializes it a bit more than just having the conversation here tonight. I second that. Right. I'll read the motion. So yeah, just for the video. So um, I, I move that the PBAC recommend to the city that we designate the Napa and Bridgeway intersection as an enforcement hotspot for the next six months, especially as it pertains to speed in order to improve safety for all road users. Second. Great. Uh, then, uh, Kevin, uh, that sounds like a great motion. Can we have a vote then on that? Sure. Why don't we take a roll call on that? Um, let's see. Jessica Penrod? Uh, yes. <laughs> gotcha there. First uh, of all, Regan Fulton? Yes. All right. David Suto? Yes. Aaron Roller? Yes. And Kieran Culligan? Yes. Kieran, would you mind uh, just uh, emailing that to, uh, to to Kevin? And then um, also, Kevin, uh, in addition, uh, I I think Vicky's uh, uh, suggestions are just great in that. Let's, let's educate. I think a lot of us even find ourselves like, holy cow, I'm flying through here and I should have slowed down. And, and just some, just having some education and reminders, uh, maybe with Abbott and the um, and the uh, Sausalito Currents is a, is a good channel to get to get the word out. And uh, anyway, uh, it, you know he seems he seems very open to, uh, to to getting word out. He's been great with uh, Safe Routes to School announcements and and other stuff like that. Got it written down. Well, this is great. I really think um, we we rep represented uh, ourselves well um, because yes, I think we've all felt the stress at that intersection. <laughs> And, um, but also just uh, uh, helping out the discussions out there on next door and uh, really appreciate um, Karen and David for being out there in the, uh, and, and uh, suggesting those public comments. And Regan for, uh, for bringing it up here and getting it on our agenda. Thank you all. Um, if uh, moving on to the next item 5B, which uh, we kind of alluded to, there's some related uh, discussions to Napa, but also it's uh, it's about statistics and it's, it's uh, statistics that we've looked at before. And I've asked uh, Jessica to uh, to champion this um, investigation into how we can start using some of these safety safety statistics to uh, to kind of understand our, our recommendations better our, our what's really happening in our town. Um, and and, uh, and then, you know, uh, and what else can we do? What other statistics can we do to, uh, to help uh, improve the safety of, of our uh, community? So uh, Jessica, if you wouldn't mind uh, taking it from here. Thank you. I'm gonna present my screen. Um, so uh, the purpose of this is really just to kind of identify uh, where we're seeing incidents happen throughout Sausalito. Um, so I'm in the intention is to provide a monthly report of any new incidents that come up. 
uh, related to uh, pedestrian and bicycles within Sausalito. Um, so just kind of a quick deep dive into what an incident report is and, and the importance of it. So kind of the definition that I'm giving it is an investigation analysis of an event to identify the root cause and corrective action, which I think is the key piece here to prevent similar future occurrences. Um, so for us as a, a group to really provide feedback to the city of how we can improve some of these uh, locations, which is exactly what we're doing related to this um, off-ramp concept. Um, the why, uh, continuous improvements, so being able to really identify the specific areas um, and encouraging the city and the police. So this is actually a great example of where the police can really probably play a, a fairly large role in helping this one location. Um, and then the how, tracking the incidents, uh, the sources that we're using, I'll go over in a minute, but SWORTS uh, is the key one. And then uh, just requesting additional details from the city, uh, the police department, so that we can um, provide incident reports that we'll go into in a moment. Uh, so the two sources that we're using, that I'm going to be using for this is the SWIRTS, which is a CHP database that feeds into TIMS, which is a UC Berkeley uh, project that is really wonderful. Um, I'll include the links into this actually, but you can create a login to both of these different databases and pull the information that we're pulling for this. Um, I'm focusing on uh, 2019 and beyond just to, to make it uh, really useful information, but we can also go back. Uh, Kieran provided a report earlier in the year that dates back to 2006 data. Um, so that's also really helpful, but it shows kind of where the trends of the, the accidents are happening themselves. Um, so you can see that there's two kind of outliers up here. These ones are up on the freeway, but the rest are really down along Bridgeway um, as the, the primary area. Um, and I'm gonna dive into two that are specifically around Napa Street, because um, those are ones that we've also dug into earlier this year, but just the importance of this intersection area. Um, so, how I'll be presenting this, this is going to be kind of the new reports that come up going forward, um, but just wanted to go over what we saw. Uh, so most incidents are related to bicycles and a uh, vehicle. Um, there are a few that happen with pedestrians. So far in 2021, we've had one incident, um, but primarily focusing uh, on the bicycle incidents just because that's really what is happening more regularly. So there's two report or two incidents that I wanted to go over, um, both at this Napa Street and Bridgeway. This first one, um, one thing that I want to call out in the actual, here's what the uh, reports look like. Um, I think something that would be great for the police to help with is. Uh, clarifying some of the information that we have so when we're able to actually communicate with them to make sure that we're seeing this correctly so this is the southbound uh, information that it has and then how the two vehicles and bicyclists are moving um, so just being able to make sure that we have the information and we're looking at this correctly so the way that 
I've interpreted it uh, with Aaron is that it's the car is moving on Napa Street and the car is at fault in this case, um, has been identified at fault and then the cyclist is coming down the street. This was a 24 year old bicyclist. Um, they had uh, a minor injury, nothing, there's no death related to any of these so far, um, fortunately. But one thing to call out is the collision itself happened July 2020, but it doesn't actually process into the system until September. This is also true. Um, here is the second case, which is a 12 year old girl crossing the actual crosswalk, um, which we identified earlier this year as being highly concerning. Um, but July is when the incident happened and then October is when it's processed. So there's quite a bit of a delay in being able to actually reach out to the community or the police department to be able to get information just based off of when it goes into the database. So trying to also figure out a way to have um, incidents be upfront, um, upfront and able for us to communicate uh, and talk through earlier on. Again, the driver was identified at fault in this one as well. Um, so those are the two cases. Uh, and Aaron, do you have anything that you'd like to talk specifically about either of these cases or anything else? And no, no, I think that's great. I mean, I think that uh, this, especially since we are having this discussion about Napa, it brings to attention that there is statistics around it that back up already what uh, what has been confirmed from the Marin County report and, and David Parisi's guidance on all that. Um, and so I think that that's really great. And then also it just helps us all understand, again, you kind of you look at it and you think, oh, there's only been one incident this year, but yet that's maybe a three to four month lag, right? And so we're, uh, we're early in the year. And so we, we um, it's, it's hard to, uh, to kind of take this as a real time statistics. And, uh, and I think that's understandable, uh, maybe given the way uh, police uh, reports work, uh, perhaps, I, I'm not really sure um, how, when it's determined, when it becomes an actual report or whatever. But, uh, but it's been useful for us to understand it. Oh, you mentioned also Tim's is, uh, is like a, it's like an easier to use, better system, like as far as for usability sake, but that is actually like a year old, right? It's like a year out of date. Um, it's, is that, is that correct, Jessica? That is correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Tim's is much more of a user-friendly interface, but it has to get the, they pull the data at an even more delayed time period yeah. than what's coming from the sports. Yeah. I think I'd love, oh, great. I was going to say, I'd like to hear from Warren and there's his hands up. So let's hear from Warren. Yeah, Jessica, I just wanted to give you a, a you know, applaud you for pulling this up. This, this is super important stuff. Like we have to, if we're going to make our streets safer, we have to know where people, you know, where they're dangerous. So um, really happy to see this. Um, just a couple things. I, I want to actually, you just caught one of the limitations I, I wanted to mention. Just another piece of information about this. Um, is that these, the data that goes into, that goes through Switters and then into Tim's from that are injury collisions only. So, or, so are, are injury collisions, which is separate from property damage only PDO collisions. So we should just, again, like, that doesn't matter a ton, but because we're, we're focused on injuries, but we should be no noting that like 
that this is a subset of of the traffic collisions that are happening in Sausalito. Um, so you, you know, if I got, can you say that one more time, so there's just for my notes, there's PDOs and then what was the other one? The, the injury collisions. So okay. Switters catalogs injury collisions and ex, and does not include PDOs. Um, is my understanding. If you find something else in that, let me you can correct me, but that's my understanding of how this works. Um, so like if I got doored and fell off my bike and my bike got broken, but I was fine, I didn't like report an injury because the four levels of injury on sweaters are fatal, serious, visible injury and complaint of pain. So if I didn't complain of pain, that doesn't go into the database. So just that's, it's still super important. I don't want to, just shouldn't minimize it. Just wanted to point that out as, as one um, limitation of this. Um, and then you pointed out the, the, the lag on, um, on reporting. And then, you know, I wanted to point out something. So I, I attend the Oakland, I, I used to live in Oakland and still attend their BPAC meeting frequently. And I think that they have an arrangement with the Oakland PD to report directly to them about bicycle or pedestrian involved collisions. And I don't see that why that's something that, that, you know, the Sausalito PPAC couldn't, you know, somehow arrange through the, through the Sausalito police department, right? Like there's no reason for us to go this sort of like circuitous route of it going them reporting up to CHP and then us looking at CHP database when, you know, if, if a, if a Sausalito PD officer writes a report involving a bicycle or pedestrian that, hit they should be able to report this out so that's just a, a, a piece of feedback um and the last thing is just yeah working with the police department to kind of figure out those those crashes i think that first crash you showed i i my interpretation interpretation of that is a little bit different than what you came up with i think that was someone being right hooked while both people were driving or riding and driving south on um on bridgeway but it, I, I just saw it for a second so yeah, it's it's worth going through to understand what you know what those different collisions are. So I, I think that's a great a great piece of um, a great thing to work on. Quick, quick question for Warren: um, mm -hmm. Have you used, so I've heard anecdotally that uh, only a certain percent of actual accidents where bicycles are involved get reported, let alone it's an injury accident. Um, any numbers that you've seen that kind of you know there's there's out of all the close calls that don't turn into accidents and then all the accidents that don't get picked up in here, but like any order of magnitude that you've seen. Yeah. I, I, I did some research on this. That's, I'm glad you asked that question, Kieran. I, I did some research on this, um, in my former consulting life and it's very, it's a, it's a very difficult question to ask or answer. Cause so obviously like of fatal crashes, essentially a hundred percent of those are cataloged. So like there aren't people dying that we don't know about. Um, and then as you go down the list from severe, you know, se severe injuries where people, someone can't leave the scene, probably all of those are being cataloged too. Of those last two, you know, that, that it catalogs visible injury or complaint of pain, that's a, that's a much harder number to say, like what subset of all complaint of pain, like collisions, you know, where I get doored, my knees banged up, but I don't want to sit there and call the cops on someone, right? Like I, I haven't, I've never been doored. I have plenty of friends have been doored. They've never called the cops. So what percentage of those? I've seen research that, that what I found was some research showing that it, for like for minor injury, bike and pedestrian collisions, it's probably around 10% that, that somewhere between like 10 and 40%. I'll, I can find that for you if, if you want, um, that results in a police report, depending on a lot of factors. So again, like for those minor collisions, that's where you're getting like a much, much lower uh, report rate than if, as you go up the severity level. 
so I think we should think of those those like the we should say we're catching all the fatalities of the of the minor collisions. We're probably catching somewhere between half and a tenth, I would say. Thanks, Jessica. Hey, uh, Warren, I was just going to follow up. I, I know you had uh, requested some statistics from Mill Valley Police Department. Is that is that correct? And and, and Sausalito. So so something that I'm working on. This is you know not quite the agendized item. So yeah, but I'll talk. I'll keep it brief. Um, I'm as part of my work at the county level, I'm working on trying to understand where people are being cited for different uh, bicycling violations, running stop signs, speeding, failure to yield, um, and have been you know, reaching out to police departments across the county to, to get that data. I have I reached out to Sausalito, and they were able to give me just a tally number, but able to give, they were unwilling to give, or did, did not, I'll say, give me anything further than that. No breakdown of, like, what people are being cited for, where they're being cited for, or you know, where where they're being cited, um, or any further um, data on that. Mm, okay, and yeah, that that would be useful, obviously, with the uh, sweaters. That's that the, the the where is is really important, obviously, um, for us to be able to focus on. And uh, and I could think of um, the value in having those stats in just even to targeted education. If we're getting a lot of cyclists that are getting ticketed at coming down, ripping down um, Second Street, then why don't we put some signs there? And, you know, uh, hey, slow down. Save everyone some time, save everyone some money, save everyone some safety, yeah. Exactly, right, yeah. So um, I can see the value in that. And um, yeah, if, uh, and and I would love to, you know, get that, uh, the stats into the, the, the monthly board as well that, uh, that Jessica's doing. So. I think that that's something we should uh, follow up on um, with uh, to, to see if we can uh, get those statistics um, or, or whatever we can do to, to, to help you, um, you know, achieve achieve the request that you made. Great. Uh, Thank you, Aaron. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyone else have a comment? I see Vicki uh, Nichols' hand. Why don't we just? I'll ask her to unmute here. Okay. Thank you, Chair. Hey, I was wondering, um, rather than go to this other, the SNITs or whatever, um, how would this information correlate with what the Sausalito Police is keeping anyway? They give a quarterly report to the council. So I, I'm not aware that a lot of committees go and pull their own data. Um, I like the suggestion about getting the information through the city so it's at least, um, you know, matches up and maybe you can get more detail from them, uh, showing them the need to get that. But I, I, um, I would encourage you to, um, I was interested when I saw this presentation, um, that when you follow up in your minutes or whatever, that you indicate what you're referring to, because it's very vague about what statistics you're looking at or using or considering using. And I think it's helpful for people to understand um, what it is that will be informing some of your decisions. I, I don't know what you call it, the Smiths or the, the whatever it is, but, um, and it seems also that the time, the time frame, um, I don't know, maybe Kevin knows because he's been in the council meetings, but they used to come in at least quarterly. I don't know how extensive the traffic reports are, but uh, Chief Robarker does give a, a report, a, a crime report or whatever you call it 
quarterly. So I, I'm sure you've looked at that already, but if not, that might help too. Thank you. Yes. Um, yeah, uh, Jessica, maybe uh, I, I guess I'd like to follow up to see if we can clarify with with Vicky uh, about uh, the sweaters. Uh, Vicky, can you can you help, help us understand? Is it that you, you're not clear that the um, statistics we're going to be using are from Switters, or you're not sure what Switters is? I think that it, if you're a committee that's being informed by some data, that it's important for you to identify somehow to the community what is informing your decisions. So vis-a-vis, -vis you say, we use the such and such report. Um, mm -hmm. I, I just don't know any other committees that are pulling their own data. They're getting data from the city. So I would advise yeah. if you can get this through the city, um, if what you need, uh, that seems to be a better route to go personally, but yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's great. Uh, I will let you know that we are, we've moved to getting this data because previous requests have gone unanswered. So. Maybe we can get you some pressure. <laughs> yeah, <that> sounds great. <laughs> okay. All right. Because clearly you're trying to use something. So they, if they can get it in Oakland, maybe we can, you can ask why they can't get it in Sausalito. Maybe there's a reason, but maybe there isn't. So you can get it. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, and it, whatever statistics we can get to help us make educated decisions about the safety of our pedestrians and bicyclists would be greatly appreciated. And so if we can get these statistics, um, safety statistics, the injury statistics, and then also uh, the citation statistics fr directly from our police department. That would be the request and maybe that's a motion. And I guess okay. the other question maybe I'd follow up with is, Vicki, if they were using the Switters as their data source, would that feel appropriate for us to be pulling the data on a more regular basis rather than the they're, quarterly reports? I believe what they're using is their actual police reports they're reporting they, they, it to sweaters yeah yeah they're reporting it it'd be more timely and it's actually on site and it's done by an agency you know that's in the city that you're um coming up with your recommendations for okay. i just think there's more of a nexus than using another data but it's totally up to you guys i think that it, you know just it just feels like it's more um relate uh relative Mm -hmm. uh, using theirs, but if you can't get from them the information you're needing, then I see your point too. But um, for you guys to have to go and pull this other report seems there seems like a disconnect, frankly. Yeah. So that's and, what that's, and, and we really appreciate yeah. you. Uh, you're so you're connected to so many of the different committees, so it's good just good to know like well what is because we don't know what we. Yeah, it's just, I yeah. think, it, I think, it, I think for, for uh, when you're doing your, um, you know, just your education and your committee stuff and whatever you can say, and, you know, if someone says, well, what are you using for traffic, you can say that you're getting it through our local police department. And it just, it just sounds um, that there's more of a connection to me personally. Yeah. But anyway, that's just my opinion. Thank you. Thank you, Vicki. Uh, Kevin, uh, you have some guidance on how we can proceed to, uh, to 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 work directly with the police department to to get these statistics. So first up, let me comment on uh, Warren's issues—not issues, but his requests. Uh, the what, where, and the citations issued sounds reasonable, but we can't not provide names or the person who was actually cited. Just want to be clear. I know that you probably know that. 
In other words, that personal information cannot be provided. Um, I've got a note to talk to John again about why we didn't feel we could share the information on the statistics initially. There might have been something from the city attorney uh, since some of these cases may not have been finalized yet. Um, but regardless, if we're just looking for the initial data, that might be a reason for them to provide it to us instead of going back through sitters or Switters or Tim's in order to get it. So let me reach out to John and I'll find out. And then I'll bring that information back to the committee at, the next, at our next meeting. Thank you, Kevin. Then, then I don't think we would need a motion. We'll just have a, an item to follow up because also uh, we will have uh, just real quick uh, you know, three minute, five minute uh, bullets uh, uh, in these future meetings for um, these statistics so that Jessica can hopefully tell us that there have been no additions to the um, statistics, but, um, but the idea is that we would get a timely um, uh, awareness of, of, uh, of when these incidents happen. And that, that would also then reduce some of the anxiety that I felt when I didn't know about um, that uh, July 11th accident until uh, November. So if uh, if anybody else has anything else uh, comment, raise your hand. Otherwise, I think we could move on with uh, with Kevin's action to uh, follow the Chief Rohrbacher. Okay. Um, great. Thank you. Great discussion. And thank you very much, Jessica, for, for taking this on. We really appreciate it. I see uh, 5C, Caledonia Street uh, closure. Uh, there we go. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I have a presentation that I'd like to share, if I can get it working. There we go. We have a couple subjects to talk about this evening, and we are already at 7.30, so I'll try to make this fairly quick, if possible. Um, Caledonia, as you folks know, we are currently closing Caledonia from Thursday till Monday morning for the restaurants and in order to encourage businesses to have outdoor dining. And there's been some questions about, do we move forward with our next step? What is our next step? And so I was kind of thinking about this over the last couple of weeks, especially after the, the last meeting, I think it was in March where Susan asked me how come we're not moving forward with this? Probably because we haven't necessarily had the time to really think about the, the specific next step. And in looking at this, currently we're closing the full street, but uh, our fire department has noted that we need to keep a 12 foot area open for fire engines at all times. So even if it's closed, we still need a 12 foot area on one side for their fire engines and their apparatus to come in in case there's an emergency. So given that, why don't we simply keep that section of the roadway open to traffic uh, northbound direction on Caledonia, which would fall in line with, uh, I believe there's a big arrow on one side of the screen here. It doesn't do it online, but uh, over here, which kind of shows that there is a one-way traffic coming through for the end of Caledonia that goes by uh, between the police station and the fire station. Mm -hmm. Seems to make sense in order to move in this direction to have a uh, have this open to through traffic, Kevin. Can I can I ask where would bicycles go in the uh, southbound direction? If it's okay with the chairman, I'd like to finish my presentation and I'll okay. bring 
So at, at this point, um, what are the, what's the infrastructure that's needed in order to make this happen? I believe we're gonna need a all-way stop at the corner of Pine and, and Caledonia. So that in this case, the Pine Street is a one-way street heading eastbound. That already has a stop sign. We'll need to have a stop sign on Caledonia heading southbound and a stop sign heading uh, northbound. So we'll have an all-way stop there if we decide to go ahead and close this entire section of the street. We could also look at the displacement of some of the parking spaces that are down in front of the restaurants. I believe we've got, we have one, two, three, six, maybe seven spaces that are displaced. And we might want to consider adding some more diagonal parking up Pine Street in order to address this. So those are kind of the immediate steps. Um, we had also talked about possibly looking at bicycle travel on this street. Remember that the fire department still needs 12 feet. So putting in a southbound bicycle lane on Caledonia, which is counterflow to the actual direction of the, the flow of traffic, uh, would need at least a five foot lane, as well as some delineators between oncoming traffic. And that is a worry to me specifically. And I'm hoping, you know, David Preece can kind of pipe up if he's, if he'd like to on this. But uh, the original concept was to kind of take a look at what do you do with bicycle traffic in this area. Heading northbound, cyclists would still have to share the lane as they current, currently do, but heading southbound, there is a potential for putting in a counterflow bike lane. That encroaches into the business area as well that we had for closing this section of the street. So I don't believe that this, sorry, specific plan was discussed with the council, but if if the, the committee here would like us to move forward with this type of approach, we can take a close look at that and see if there are other improvements that need to be incorporated into this. And one of those could be um, probably some type of delineation on this front end of where cyclists would have to follow the path of travel away from oncoming traffic and the vehicles would know not to encroach into this particular area. David, did you, David Parisi, did you want to add anything to this at this point? Um, just, just that um, I agree with you, Kevin, on the south end, you tape, could taper that off and move the bicyclists. I don't think we need any uh, vertical delineation though. I think that line could be a double yellow line, uh, which you usually have for, for uh, contraflow lanes anyway. I think that, that could suffice. Maybe, maybe another bike stencil near the end. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. So that's my short presentation on Caledonia Street, kind of outlining the next steps, which we think are important for moving this project forward to possibly a full closure. And I believe members of the public, and not to put any but anybody on, on, on the spot, had some concerns that this particular closure of the street was moving too fast in the past and needed more public input. So uh, that we kind of need to recognize as well. But as I recall, our uh, councilman, councilwoman, uh, Susan Cleveland Knowles asked what we were going to be doing for the next steps on this particular section of street. And I think this would be the appropriate um, 
thing to do if we are going to move this forward. And that includes the stop signs noted and possibly some additional di diagonal parking. And uh, depending upon what is necessary for bicyclists and maybe a contraflow bike lane. So with that, that concludes my short presentation on Caledonia. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, uh, kind of first thing is, is this even closure? This is not a closure, actually. This is a, uh, this is just a reconfiguration and basically a one way now in this proposal, right? Well, the, the, the road is closed to southbound traffic. So it is a change. Hmm. I'm kind of, we collectively, the city, we're looking at this in comparison to Mill Valley's. Mill Valley has a closure there right at the hub as well, mm -hmm. which they simply closed a lane. So maybe we're talking semantics here of what is a closure compared to what's a partial closure. Uh, Kevin, Kevin, two weeks ago, uh, Mill Valley made the decision on Miller to um, not do the partial closure anymore but instead make it a full closure uh, Saturday mornings till Sunday evenings. So um, I don't know if, if that was, I'm not gonna weigh in on that decision, but it was, it's interesting. So it's a little bit different. They're doing the full closure for a day and a half on weekends. Um, I see some hands here. Let's, let's go with David Chito. Would you like me to have this open while the folks talk or should I turn this off? I think so. I think that's so. Yeah. My, my only comment is it would be great to find some additional bicycle parking somewhere here, whether that's maybe at the bottom of the triangle on Pine Street there at the bottom of the diagonal parking. Um, there seems like there's a lot of room there, but just we need some additional bicycle parking somewhere in this section. Um, if we're going to try to encourage people not to buy, to drive to uh, Caledonian Street to get to do their um, eat, eating and shopping. Thanks. Thanks, David. Uh, Regan. Hi, sorry. Um, well, I certainly agree with what David Sudo just said. Uh, the bike parking is a, is a big issue, and I've personally witnessed uh, people searching for bike parking while uh, trying to patronize these restaurants. But what I would ask is, what is the overarching principle that we're trying to apply here? What's the real goal for Caledonia? Um, I know this was initially instigated as a COVID-related uh, response so that these restaurants could stay open. Um, and I, I certainly applaud that. I think there's a lot of benefit to it. I wonder what the plans are for the future and whether other restaurants, other businesses down Caledonia are going to be included um, or welcomed into this kind of thing. I think that would also benefit Sausalito generally. But with, I would like to make a comment about the spirit of it. And as long as we're going to have people on the street dining next to these barriers, for example, the, the experience, I think, is going to be much diminished if cars are, are rushing by right next to them. I think the fact that it's, it's a pleasant bike and walkway really adds to the experience and the ambiance. And 
if that's what we're trying to capture, uh, I think that's great. But I, I haven't really heard what the overarching goal is, and so I'd love to, to explore that. Um, I, I would I would militate against uh, reducing bike access to that area, though. Uh, Kevin, is uh, what is the the goal? Uh, if just to clarify what Regan's asking. So I believe there were two overlying goals. One uh, Regan hit on absolutely, which was to make sure that the restaurants in this area could stay active and not close during COVID-19. Mm -hmm. uh, in addition, this area has, it's my understanding that this area of Sausalito has um, the, the council members and others have always wanted to revitalize this section of town to improve the business access to it, to make sure that the public has more access to this particular area of town and the restaurants and the businesses. So some type of revitalization was the overarching goal. Um, I see Vicki's hand, please, Vicki, join in, right? It's, I don't think we have a need to say public comment or not. I see we'll just have her uh, join in like the other members. Oh, hi. Uh, is it okay to talk? I'm not sure your last statement. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, just saying it's like, I, I, not doing a public uh, public comment, formal public comment. You've been, uh, you've been just uh, uh, joining well, in as, as, a, as, a, okay. as a member, and I really appreciate that. Okay, more free, free flow, okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, as you know, and, I, and I've been on your calls, I've been concerned about the, the total closing, and I've been forthcoming about that from the beginning. And um, I, I think that in this case, uh, as two, at least what your other member, I believe his name is Reagan, I'm not sure that, um, you know, we've looked at all of this in the view of COVID. I know that the parklets were allowed, but my understanding legally, at least in one meeting that our city attorney said that they are legal under the COVID emergency. And I've always sort of um, stipulated or uh, put forth that this uh, street change is not that, and I believe we're not looking at that uh, change, those changes now in connection as an emergency, but just a, another desired project. Mm -hmm. I will tell you that I listened into Mill Valley the other night, and um, as David Parisi said, they, uh, council did decide that they would um, permit, I forget what it was, David, like, you know, five o'clock on Friday night, um, and then through the weekend or something but it the, the start date was after the businesses close so that the businesses kind of get a chance to and the restaurants also um i will tell you also that i've been very concerned about this because we have uh as a as a neighborhood um have not been um engaged uh with the city on any of this um or approached and that's been um disappointing um, we have in the meantime found some case law that we, we, we are going to bring forth to the city about the issue of closing the block and there's <clears throat> precedent because you've got residents, you've got businesses, you're blocking their egress, ingress, etc. So I just wanted you to know up front, I've been talking with you and I did not want to not say that. Um, I've not done it formally to the city council yet, but there uh, we are 
at this point willing to proceed with that because we really don't believe that this is the best solution. We're all for, you know, having the restaurants down there, having times for them to be open like they have been. They now have the parklets and the and the um, uh, sidewalks. So, um, you know, I, I think there's there has to be some fairness or some whole, there has to be a look at this holistically, I believe. And I think that's where people on Caledonia businesses and residents are coming from. So appreciate your time. Vicki, what specifically uh, would you support uh, of, of these designs? Is it parklets are okay? Removing some well, parking for we have, parklets? We have no control over the parklets. That was given control, that was given permission under the city manager. No one was even noticed. And I was even sitting on the planning commission no one well, what, uh, what, what would you support for this street do you do you, do you just want it to be back to where it was no no parking? i'm i'm just saying that it looks like they in some instances and i don't know this to be true but i've heard from some people that they were given three-year permits outside of what they're entitled to under the COVID emergency mm -hmm. um, program so i don't know that that's to be true so i'm frankly confused and no one said anything um the parklets are not so bad there was a space taken away in front of a business that had nothing to do with the restaurant so mm -hmm. i'm not sure how they were done so um so it's okay just, so it's, it's more of a process thing than yeah i'm just trying to get the spirit of since you're there would yeah you know, what, is, think, what is it what is it you want to see I think it's process, and I think, frankly, Aaron, it's some tender feelings about um, people that have lived here for a long time that really are not trying to be jerks about this, but just feel like there hasn't been a, um, you know, a broader discussion of all the parties about how we could solve it, and knowing that uh, we don't get to control the street, we don't want to, but we want to have some kind of more equitable situation for everybody. And that, and I think that's the spirit. If that's, okay, you know, cool. yeah. Yeah, thank you. That, that clarifies sure. a little bit what we can do to see if we can help. Uh, yeah. Kevin Carroll, I see your hand. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious if David already has an answer, Parisi has an answer to the question is uh, adding the spaces up Pine Street, do we know? if that would be uh, what the gain would be? We could at least get the seven spaces back. Um, but as you go up the street, keep in mind those are all residential units, right? So uh, it is a one-way street. There's plenty of room to convert one side from parallel to angled. And um, for sure, we could get at least uh, the seven spaces uh, added. Maybe more, if you went all the way up to the next block. That, well, as you know, I've, I've brought it up a couple times. I think this should be done on all those streets, all the way down to the library. Those blocks should be uh, diagonal parked. And I've attended too many city council meetings in too many cities where people scream and yell about parking being taken away. I, I really want to hear the arguments mm -hmm. more added. Um, the other thing I would just point out, it, it, going back to that other diagram of just the one block, um, I, I think one of the possibilities of it would might be, I, I agree about the cars passing by, uh, particularly on Friday night through Sunday. Um, would this plan 
preclude that happening. In other words, the areas that are blacked out right now with the uh, seating, I assume that's going to be a you know permanent thing, 24 hours, seven days a week. Would adopting this plan preclude shutting the uh, one-way street on um, Friday night through Sundays? Is my question and also but I think Aaron's asking the right question and that is uh, I think you guys reached a point where there really needs to be a sit down with the neighbors and what will they accept um, and I Vicki didn't answer that question um, and I think it's and it's not something I don't think she necessarily should be the one answering it should be the entire community better involved and maybe that really is the next step is to hold those public meetings with the neighbors and the businesses Aaron could I just say something quickly since we're more informal okay I, I, I hope and I don't uh, purport to be the spokesperson for everyone so I appreciate what Kevin said I was just trying to sort of uh, comment on a tenor of some of the discussions and so certainly I'm not the only one that gets to speak about this, but I would love to have a sit down. And I also would hope that when we when this is couched as a discussion, it's not what we will accept, you know, like we're the, um, you know, the, the people that get to decide. I, I, I would like to couch it in a way that we say what we can work together to find a solution. Um, I think that's a much more positive way to approach this. And. I would just like to ask David, um, because I, I don't want to be wrong about this, but in the early drawings with the fire lane on that side and with the parklets now, that first block was actually 20 parking spaces that were long, gone. Is that not the case still? Um, I don't recall, unless the uh, entire street had 20. No, it was 11 on one side and nine on the other. And, and now right those now. 11 are back yeah now those 11 are back the, the uh correct the i think there'd be a, a seven would be lost under this plan yeah okay so how would you cons is are the seven the because of the parklets yeah yes yeah or the uh, outdoor seating i don't know if you, however you okay. want to call it but do you not consider that the other side, as a result of having to have this fire lane marketed, that those parking, I'm not trying to be argumentative, I'm just trying to mm -hmm. understand this, that those are not lost as well? No, they're not. They'd, they'd be retained exactly as they are today, as eight foot wide parallel parking spaces. Oh, okay. And then it's 12 on, on the other side of those? It's very hard for me to see this drawing. I'm actually on my phone, so. <laughs> so yeah, there's uh, all the parking that's parallel on the east side of Caledonia that's yeah. there would be retained exactly as it is today. Okay, so we don't need 20 feet for the fire, it's 12. Right, right, yeah. Okay, thank you, that makes sense. Thank you, appreciate that. Cool. Yeah, thanks for clarifying that. And I just wanna say, uh, Kevin and, and David, I, I mean, this is, this is a great compromise. It, it seems like it's, Giving, it's really focusing the the dining in the area that needs it. Um, since we have to have this fire lane, well then, why not open it up to the one-way traffic? It's actually the flow of traffic, I think, that makes more sense um, 
to, to go that way um, when when I think about flow there. So uh, anyway, I think this is great. And you got us our bike lane. Thank you, Kevin, for <laughs> already drawing that out. <laughs> Prior, uh, you know, I, my question was premature. Um, and uh, and and I think just having the double yellow lines would be great because I don't I don't foresee anyone going down that street very fast. So I'd be I would feel comfortable riding in a uh, in basically a bike lane that is um, with, it has double yellow lines. So anyway, yeah, I, I, I want to add a couple other things to that. The reason northbound makes sense is the fire station is right there on Johnson, mm -hmm. right? So for egressing and, and going up the street, and then. Uh, this is a very low, low volume street. This isn't like Miller Avenue, which is a arterial, principal arterial in the city of Mill Valley, uh, mm -hmm. through downtown. This is super low volume and bridgeways right there. Yeah. Um, and it, and it allows us, it allows it to be permanent. And then we could actually really create a scene there, which I think would be wonderful for the restaurants and the, and the visitors. Regan, you still have your hand up uh, if, if you wanted to speak, otherwise, uh, I'd, I've got a comment here. Just can't raise a hand. Oh, there we go. Karen, did you you raise your hand? Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm doing a real hand instead of virtual hand. This is yeah. I think really great comments here. Um, don't mean to repeat them, but it does feel like it's the time now where we should just assume that the emergency authorization is going away at some point in the near future, and that we think about what do we actually want this to be long term. Um, you know, for once we can actually take a deep breath and think about what we want it to look like. So it's a great opportunity. And it's wonderful to have designs that we can kick around, both what we've already tried in real life, um, the, the mock-ups here. You know, let's bring in the residents, let's bring in the businesses, let's bring in the locals from slightly further away who want to either drive here or they want to bike here. We need stroller parking in addition to bike, to bike parking. Um, this design, as it said, it's pretty car car friendly, uh, which some people will be very happy about and some people will be disappointed about and others, you know, want to see um, how the design actually looks. Um, I think losing the full closure and all of the benefits uh, that come with it to many, not to all, but to many, is a loss, right? Like, you know, sitting, eating food four feet away or five feet away from a muffler, isn't that great? Um, it's not as nice as having no cars there. Um, but we need, there's a lot of considerations for you know, different trade-offs, whether you're a restaurant owner or a business owner or a resident or a visitor. So we have a lot to take into consideration here. I don't feel like we're in a rush to find that solution, but I wanna make sure we have the right voices uh, providing input along the way. Okay, uh, in the interest of time, uh, Kevin, is there something we can do uh, in act any action that, that you'd like us to be taking tonight? No, I think I've, I've got a lot of input from your committee as well as the public on reaching back out to our city manager and our council to suggest a next course of action might be to uh, have another public meeting and request some feedback from the adjacent residents in this particular area. So I've got great information at this point, enough to move forward. Great, well, let's, let's, uh, let's move on to the next item then, if uh, well, everyone's in agreement with that. And- uh, Okay, uh, we have quite a few things to talk about, so I'm gonna be very quick on a few of these. I made a presentation at the city council on last Tuesday on the 11th, and 
and developing the capital improvement program, there's a lot of documentation associated with it. So I would recommend that if you have an interest in this, please go back to that city council meeting and take a look at the, uh, the attachments that I've uh, presented on that date. Now, as you folks know, we have a lot of active projects. Uh, we've got more than, I think, 13 or 14 on here. And even on this list, I, admit, I missed one. I missed Caledonia. So we've got a lot of active projects that we're working on. Now, what does that mean? That means we've got to finish a lot of these before we pick up new ones. So uh, we're trying to finish up things like uh, Southview Park, get that thing done and move on. And in addition, we've got other projects that we're working on like Ferry Landside, which is uh, it's a huge project because it takes so much involvement with different different folks, uh, not just the public, but the ferry as well as the architectural group. So we're working on a lot of these. I just wanted to show you the active projects and how many we have, especially with a staff of probably three or four. This is uh, pretty big. Uh, in that presentation last Tuesday, we had a list of primary CIP projects that we are recommending funding. And we also had a list of secondary projects. I'm gonna show you both. In particular, the highlighted area in yellow, those projects are coming from your group, PBAC, specifically the Bridgeway Napa Intersection Improvement Study. That's something we wanna move forward with to solicit for a traffic engineer to study that particular intersection and possibly the rest of the area that goes down to uh, Johnson Street. So we had originally talked about trying to combine those together and that's what we're, we're shooting for. We also have Easterby, Spring and Marin ship. That signal system needs to be designed. In other words, it fell down in a windstorm probably two years ago and we need to fix it. Uh, most of our signals are old. In other words, uh, <laughs> their design criteria is no longer the in case here. We need to have new ones. I don't want to get into too much detail because I want to be respectful of everybody's time. Coloma Street pedestrian improvements. We need to start to the, the design in fiscal year 21-22 with the construction to follow. We have separate funding for that and that becomes available in the next fiscal year. So we want to get going on that one too. In addition, uh, the Bridgeway Bike Lanes pilot project, that's the one that Kieran and Aaron brought up as far as making bike lanes between Princess and Richardson. So I re relabeled it slightly, but it is still the same project. So we wanna to put together a design package so that we have our projects a little more shovel ready. That's the intent. So we can be ready for some um, grant funding as it becomes available. We have secondary projects as well. In other words, if we finish of our staff and we get a project manager to finish some of these projects on the primary list, we will move into the secondary project lists. And I've highlighted three of those here that have come from the Pedestrian Bicycle Advisory Committee as well. Ferry Terminal to Gate 6 Pathway Study. Important project, which I know it's been studied in the past, but let's uh, take a look at what we can actually implement. We've got other two projects on here as well. The second and Richardson uh, crossing, which David Parisi already put together basically a plan on that. We'd love to just implement it. 
let's move forward. And same with looking at bike parking and wayfinding in Sausalito. These are secondary projects, but they are still very important. So we'd like to move forward with those as well. Um, let's see, I think that's it for the CIP. If you have more questions on that specifically, you're welcome to call me or leave me a, an email or visit the, the uh, presentation on the, the city's website uh, under city council. But I've developed a pretty good sized document for the CIP. It's a six year document. It's about 160 pages long for all the projects we're working on. And that's in draft form. The way this works is we present this to the council. And in this case, I'll probably meet with them once or twice to go over some of the details. And then eventually we're hoping that this will be incorporated into the city's budget, which gets adopted closer to June and July. That's uh, concludes my presentation on 5D capital improvement program. I just want to say thank you, Kevin. That's it's a wonderful list, and you've clearly been doing a lot of work, but also um, listening to our, um, our requests. And, and I really want to um, say thank you, Kevin. Question: yeah. It feels like you are staff limited as much as you are budget limited is mm -hmm. there any line of sight to solving that constraint as part of the cip we requested to have a project manager being pulled on board as a consultant to help us with these projects okay a, a project manager can only handle probably six to eight projects at one point in time so we may need multiple people if we're going to execute these so really it's a balancing act if we have the money to execute them, we'll need to have a project manager on board as well to move these projects forward. I see uh, Kevin Carroll's hand. Just a question for the other Kevin. And that's, is there any chance of getting money out of the uh, COVID relief package that will be coming to the city sometime in the next few months would it help if the this committee uh, passed a motion or sent a letter to the uh, city council strongly recommending that some of those funds be spent on hiring you help? Um, I, I'm not sure if it would help, but the city is receiving some funding. At least it's my understanding. I can double check with Charlie Francis on this, but it's my understanding that the city is receiving some funding from the federal government. I don't think it's a lot. And there may be some emphasis to use that funding to backfill some of our expenses that we have already incurred for COVID-19, such as the changeable message signs and other things that went up. But you're welcome to go ahead and, and and make a motion or uh, draft a letter as well, if you so choose. If uh, are there are any other comments or public comments, raise your hand. Okay, well, I think in the interest of time, uh, please continue. All right, thank you. I will continue fairly quickly here. Um, okay, gate six, uh, let's see. Six on our, our agenda, 6A is uh, pub, uh, project updates from Public Works. So I'll start with gate six. 
and uh, it's a little dark in the room. So I got an update from our project manager that they are anticipating paving the intersection. That's okay, Megan, don't worry about it. Uh, paving the intersection out here on gate six and Bridgeway on the 10th of June, 10th or 11th, and that is generally night work. So kind of a heads up, if you'll notice that the that uh, was installed a couple weeks ago has now been removed, that's great. A lot of thanks to Andy Davidson and others for keeping after the the, uh, the team that's out there to work on this project to get that up. So many thanks. And there'll be subsequent work happening at this intersection and Caltrans is going to be maintaining the signals themselves. So that also means that once they get the controllers installed, they'll have to take care of the timing that happens later on in June, like the 21st. So we won't see a significant change out there until the end of June. So I just wanted to kind of update the folks on that. There's there's a lot of details within what I'm saying, uh, but regardless, this project is moving along and I'm hoping that possibly in our next meeting, I might have something that kind of tells us how this intersection is gonna work as far as a bicycle, bicycle dedicated uh, phase. So I'll get to that next month and kind of, uh, maybe bring in Jill Barnes, our, our project manager on it, and she can update us. Okay, a couple of, oh, sorry, go ahead. Just a quick question. Is there gonna be like a no turn on red sign coming from, uh, from Marin City when that bike light, I guess there is. Is that what that indicates at the top there? Because I'm just finding a lot of impatient people right now, and it's gonna get worse if there's, when the bike, bike lane is, is there. Um, I, I almost got clipped last night by someone who was just being impatient. And sometimes it's a matter of poor visibility and, and sometimes it's just people in a hurry. Excuse me, it is my understanding that there is a blank outside um, for no right turn, uh, similar to the ones they have in San Rafael. And, uh, but I don't know the full details yet, David, so I'll, I'll have to bring that back to you. Yeah, Kevin, it looks, it looks to me like that blank outside is coming from, is that coming from westbound gate six road? It's just, I'm looking, trying to, I don't see one coming from eastbound bridge road, which is what David, I think, was talking about, right? Right, but I, I recall one in the past, to be honest. Okay, cool, great. Yeah. I think that's a great yeah. piece of feedback and, and will be very important. Yeah. Me too, by the way. I think there's going to be a couple of them, so... I don't know if that's Sausalito. I don't know whose jurisdiction that is, but that's a gold mine for people, you know, for writing tickets of people blowing through that, that sign. Anyway, let's continue. Okay, a couple other slides here about updates on projects. As you folks know, I also made a presentation to the city council back in April about the Ferry Landside project. And we've been working closely with the uh, local architects group to come up with a visioning for this area. And they came up with uh, two major options. Uh, let's see, I think I missed one. <laughs> I missed one. <laughs> Sorry about that on my slide. So the first option, and I'll kind of paraphrase it a little bit since I missed the initial slide. Uh, the first option is to expand the plaza area. Here where my cursor is on the screen. And remember, we've got a limited budget specifically. 
In addition, I think the idea is to close off the end of Tracy Way since this is kind of a, 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 a bad angle for vehicles exiting onto either Anchor or Bridgeway. They have to look back over their shoulder. And as part of the first option is to move the bicycle parking over to this side of the parking area. In addition, this group came up with a secondary option, which was if we have enough money to go ahead and take a look at the pedestrian access to the former Bank of America building from the ferry landing itself. Now, the, there's only 1.9 million available for the construction. That's not a lot. There are some other key issues, and I would encourage folks, if you have more interest in this, to go back and take a look at the council presentation in April. There's a lot of detail here that I can't really cover in this specific presentation. The group also took a look at uh, ultimate visions in this area and possibly changing the entire parking lot one into a park or anything, whatever it is that the, the city and its residents would like in this particular area. There's some more details that need to be addressed, such as changing an ordinance and having a vote of the people if this does get changed to something other than parking. There's all sorts of alternatives. So at this point in time, the local architects group has kind of split off and they're still looking at ultimate planning issues in this full section of, of the parking areas in downtown. In other words, here's parking lot two, parking lot one is over on this side and they're looking at big vision pictures in this area. At the same time, uh, city staff and public works is ready to go ahead and set up a public meeting for the, uh, the ferry landside project, specifically with the money that we have from Golden Gate Bridge Highway Transportation District and the FTA. So we're kind of splitting off at this point. The idea is to try to develop some concepts down for the, the plaza and the other things that I actually talked about. Um, in this area and have the art local architects group do their own thing and develop a, a visioning for this entire area for some time in the future. All right, I will continue on in the interest of time. We, uh, we had some discussions about what to do with Nevada Street today and the restriping of this. I think it's important that we continue to have this project on our list we brought it back to the planning commission um, a few weeks ago, more like a month and a half ago. And the residents who live here were not in favor of removing parking. They felt that this was super important and that we should not do that. But I think with David Parisi's help and with Aaron's help and everybody on the committee, I believe that we can come up with some ideas for here to, to restripe this section of road and make it a, a, a little bit safer for pedestrians as well as cyclists getting to school, specifically the kids who ride their bikes to school. Aaron, I don't know if you want to add anything. I'm trying to make it quick since we're almost out of time. Uh, no, I think that's great. And, and I just want to say um, that we just met today. We talked a little bit about the, the, the buffered concept and then also just how can we pursue the, um, the bike way that we uh, approved as a, as a committee, but, but while considering um, parking um, in those times that the school children may not be riding on it. And uh, that's, um, we're gonna continue focusing on that as, as uh, uh, 
possibly our primary um, option to, uh, to to bring towards city council. But the uh, and then I also just mentioned uh, that we just feel the urgency that it'd be great if we can get something done by um, school year. So. Yeah. All right, a couple more things on the list. As I did mention, the uh, Bridgeway bike lane project from Princess to Richardson is on the primary list for fiscal year 21-22 for initiating the design. I'm actually looking forward to that. That would be a nice uh, thing to put together and get it ready for any type of future funding. We are also, we've accepted bids for the North Street steps and have a contractor almost ready to go. We're working on the paperwork process to get the contract in line, but we're anticipating getting them out there in the next couple weeks in order to remove the debris and clean off some of the hillside. Following the actual debris removal, we'll have to get a separate contractor in to fix the rail. Uh, we're hoping it will be one after the other. In other words, very quick to get somebody in there to fabricate the steel and put it in place but they are two separate contracts. So got to mention that. So as soon as you see that the debris is removed, uh, don't walk up there yet. Let's wait till we get the rail in place. And then last couple projects, as we mentioned, uh, Coloma Street, the, this is a, has outside funding. And so we want to make sure to start that design when the funds become available and that is next fiscal year. So again, we'd probably use a project manager to solicit for the design and move the project forward. So that's all I have at this point for project updates. And thank you very much. Thank you, Kevin. Any questions or comments at this point? Excellent. Well, thank you for that, Kevin. And um, and I think we can uh, wrap it up then. Uh, I have one potential future agenda item. I don't know if it's still going to be relevant in a month, but I read about the about the TAM high school district canceling their mountain bike program mm. since that's the district where Sausalito kids would go to school. Um, mm. I'd love to like give a word of support to maintain support for that program. Uh, I know it's on the agenda for tonight, but if it still makes sense to do so in a month, I'd like to have to be an agenda item. Okay, thank you for that. Anyone else have any future agenda items that they'd like to bring up? Okay, well, I think we'll we'll come up with some, uh, obviously, we have plenty to go on and we obviously went beyond our time i apologize to everybody for the extra 15 minutes and thank you all for your participation patience and um especially to our, our uh public contributors uh vicky nichols and kevin carroll as always thank you for the the feedback it really is uh, it makes this this committee um valuable so um if anybody else has anything else to say then Besides, have a have a great have a great Kevin always does a good job of thanking our behind the scenes folks too. So it's usually Megan and anyone else back there. Right. We want to thank Megan and Chris for behind the scenes helping us out here. Good job, okay. folks. Way to go. And our next meeting should be on June twenty first, um, six thirty to eight. Okay. Great. Thank you, everybody.
Take care, Thank everyone. you, Good meeting. Thank you.